0: I uh, I really like this lesson. It's an intense lesson. I appreciate uh, what Tolkien sets up for us. People call it the fall of Boromir. I like to call it the redemption of Boromir, excuse me. And we're gonna get to this scene. Sorry, I need to click that little pop-up guy off. All right, but so as we watch this, um, I'm going to show it a whole bunch, but I'm also going to stop it a whole bunch. We're going to talk a lot about some of these metaphors and scenes. Okay. The, the three big ones that we're going to look at is, how do I detect when the enemy is from within? I, if you look at my book, the two pages where this conversation is on, red flag, red flag, red flag, ah, red flags, I know. And it's a great opportunity to be like, how do I tell when the youth pastor something's not right or mom and dad or even a teacher or professor like they should be protecting me right now they're supposed to be helping me on my journey but something's weird and so it's cool because tolkien writes it in and peter jackson does a great job with the visual aid here of getting to watch frodo like you're not this is not cool something's wrong with this situation Next thing we're going to do is I'm going to pull out my big sword here, and uh, we're going to talk about how to fight off the enemy with our swords. I'll pass my sword around the room, and we'll do a whole lesson on swords, and then we're going to do that final lesson on the redemption of Boromir, and Boromir, it's, he doesn't just say he's sorry, he what? Shows it, and the power of that sacrifice and what that means. And uh, Those three lessons are really fun. I like teaching them. Here we go. Yeah? Four of you struggling. We cross the lake at nightfall. Hide the boats and continue on foot. We post more doors on the north. Oh, yes. Just a simple matter of finding our way through Emin Moir. An impossible labyrinth of razor-sharp rocks. Razor-sharp rocks. That, it gets even better. A festering, stinking marshland as far as the eye can see. That is our road. I suggest you take some rest and recover your strength, Master Dwarf. Recover my... We should leave now. No. Oaks patrol the Eastern Shore. We must wait for cover of darkness. It is not the Eastern Shore that worries me. A shadow under threat has been growing in my mind. Something draws near. I can feel it. I like that prophetic moment there. The discerning okay. spirit that Legolas has—he could tell something's I'm wrong. Sure. That's pretty cool. We got to listen to that. Aragorn's a good leader here. Where he could like, I—I hear you, but you know, like, something else is going on. We should wander alone. You least of all. So much depends on you, Frodo. We've already got some red flags. What's our couple? You can all—you can already tell Frodo. He what? He senses something, doesn't he? It's like something's off. He does a great job acting in this because he's like, wait. Something's wrong. I, I would call that the Holy Spirit, right? You, could, you know, Pinocchio, call it your conscience. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And he might be like, hey, Matt, watch out for Boromir, which rarely do we get the audible voice of God. It's usually when God speaks, right, quote, unquote, speaks to us. It's spirit to spirit talk. It's a nudge. It's a hodge. It's a gut, right? That's why in the Bible it was called the bowels. Something's going on down here, and you can sense it, right? And maybe in your head, but Frodo's like, this isn't head now. He says later, my heart senses something off here, right? So we got that. Boromir wants to have a conversation with Frodo. Why aren't they with the group? Red flag, right? Boromir wants to talk to him about the ring. Why can't we talk about this in front of Aragorn? Yes? Yes? big red flag again this is us tolkien's giving us a little hint on how do we detect this when the enemy is attacking from within right and you'll even see clearly here the enemy you'll hear this all day today the enemy's never a person it's never a person it might be what a person believes or the lies that they've a- agreed with or the spirit behind that never a person our battles not against flesh and blood I know why you seek solitude. You suffer. I see it day by day. Some good empathy. You suffer there are other ways, Frodo. Other paths that we might take. Red flag. Is there any other thing to do with the ring besides destroy it? Nope. Frodo knows that to be true. What's going on here? This is some teacher saying, "Well, there might be some other options." I mean, Jesus is good, but, or a pastor saying, "Yeah, but what about this?" Or a parent or a friend. Well, all of a sudden you're like, "Sounds like a good idea," but actually, I know this to be true. So what you're saying isn't going to work. What would you would say? Ah, sorry. well, that was weird. It like wisdom, for the warning my heart. Warning? Against what? We're all afraid, Frodo. But to let that fear drive us to destroy what hope we have. Don't you see that is madness? There is no other way. I ask only for the strength to defend my people. If you would but lend me the ring. No. Why do you recoil? I am no thief. You are not yourself. Exactly. What chance do you think you have? They will find you take the ring and you will beg for death before the end. Fear. Oh. Look at that. Ooh, that's a good pause. <laughs> what did he just call him? He started out with empathy and then he tried to be rational and then he called him foolish So now he's making this emotional your stupid plea to now just what? Like Verbal abuse, calling him an idiot. It's strange. I remember it was 20 years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday when I had my Oxford professor stand up, walk over to me. His face didn't look like that, but he said, You are a fool to believe in grace. Red flag, right? This is my professor, right? Like, ah, right? He actually used the word fool. Whoo! Yeah. Now what? I mean, now we're at physical abuse, right? He's physically wrestling him around. Like anytime, that's a huge red flag. Anytime anybody's gonna get physical, right? But you can see there were flags way before this, weren't there? Yeah, Frodo tried to run away. The problem is, is that Bormir's not using his physicality. He's strong, he's big. He's going to like bully him around. That's a big deal. Right? And so when we look at the red flags when we look at this unfolding, party wants to like I don't want to scare you. Are you all right? No, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was like now I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to scare you, but at the same time, it's really important to be aware, isn't it? And look what happens. He puts Frodo in this horrible position. I see your mind. You'll take the rage Sauron. You'll betray us. You go to your death. And the death of us all. Curse you. Cast you. And all the love. And what does he realize he totally screwed up like big time see let's let's look at this what is motivating Boromir there's, there's several layers here but what's what's motivating him he wants to do what help this is what's so sad to me about this scene Boromir wants to help he wants to protect even better, like, even better he wants to protect. The king's people, even better. But what's motivating him? Fear. It's all fear. Now, are we tracking there? Like maybe a little bit of love for the people. Maybe care and concern for the people. Maybe a little bit of glory because he's Boromir. But really, I would if I had to put it on the scale, he's scared. He's afraid that if we don't use the ring, we're going to lose. Does that make sense? And if we don't have my power, then Sauron's stronger, so we need to use the ring against Sauron, or we're going to what? We're going to lose. That is all fear. So now we have a misunderstanding motivated by fear, and he puts Frodo in a compromising position. <coughs> Frodo has to decide, let Boromir take the ring, or put the ring on. Lose, lose see what happened when you and i can detect the fear that will help us with our decisions we never need to make decisions out of fear perfect love casts out of fear there's no there's no fear in the kingdom of god so when i see fear it's terrifying ironically because i know how destructive it can be here boromir motivated by fear wants to help wants to protect but puts Frodo in a position where he either has to give the ring to Boromir, not a good idea, or put it on, and he knows it's a bad choice to put it on. Like it's either sin or sin. Shoot, that only happened because of Boromir, right? And when that happens, you and I have to just make the most out of our decisions, and oops, and I make a make a hard choice that's probably not a healthy choice, but it's for the saving of the, the journey, right? I gotta like, Take one for the team here. Really sad, really hard. I've watched this happen. Watch out for the Boromirs. The other thing is, don't what? Don't be a Boromir, right? Don't be someone who puts other people in these types of positions, especially when you're on our side, right? Like he's on our side, he should be protecting. He thinks he is, he's misguided, he really screws up. It's hard. Thoughts, questions, comments on that? I think Tolkien lays it out really well for us because this is such a hard moment in the story. And I think when we really pause and reflect on it, it's fear and misunderstanding. Misguided, but so destructive. I mean, Boromir in an hour here ends up dying. Shoot, right? The fellowship breaks up. All right, let's keep going. So that's, that's our first lesson. Here's another lesson now. Yeah, right? Shoot. Cool graphics. Yeah. Good side effects. Breaches trust, Boromir screws up, and now Frodo doesn't trust who? Aragorn? Like, ah, oh, it's so hard. I don't blame him. He's like, I don't know. Who can I trust now, right? And good thing Aragorn is trustworthy, and Aragorn gets tested just like Galadriel right now with this offering of a ring. It doesn't happen in the book, but it's implied. I mean, Aragorn could easily take it at any time from Frodo, and he doesn't. So I like this moment, right? It's really powerful. Would you destroy it? have gone with you to the end. The fires of Mordor. I know. I know. That's an amazing. The king of Middle Earth is kneeling. And honoring Frodo. Some of us are gonna miss this. It's worth a pause right now. Aragorn is saying, "You can go." Wh- what? <laughs> What's the king of Middle Earth saying? to this little hobbit who has one of the most important things to deal with right now. I what? I trust you. Wouldn't it make sense, rationally, Aragorn's big, strong fighter, he's the king, he grabs the ring, I'm gonna take care of this, like, thanks, Frodo, let me take care of this, this is crazy, things are getting out of control, let me grab it, let me try to control this situation, let me try to, like, wrap my brain around this and it's better, it's safer with me. I, what does he do? Like, if we look at it objectively, he's trusting who with this most important thing? A little Hobbit? Yeah, is that cool? I love that biblical connection because we got uh, one of my favorite verses. I referenced it in chapel. They're all like, "Did Jesus just fly away?" <laughs> right? And like the, the angel comes up. So, what are you guys looking at? Why are you staring at the sky? Right? And they're like. I, he just flew away. <laughs> like, don't worry, he'll come back on a big white horse in, you know, a couple thousand years or whatever. Um, Jesus is like, okay, go make disciples, go change the world. There you go, see ya, bye, woo! And he flies away. Like, what is Jesus telling these 12 disciples, these 120 people on the hill or whoever was there? I what? You guys can do it, I trust you. You guys got this, have fun. I'll give you my spirit, and you have a ball. Go for it. <laughs> you want you want us to do this? Like, yep. And like the and as weird as it sounds, if you were writing the story, the biblical story, wouldn't it make sense for God to step down on the planet and then like to stay? <laughs> like he dies, comes back. Like, okay, so, all right, now I already died, so I don't have to worry about that. You 12 go here. You go here. I'll hang out here. We'll set up headquarters. And we're going to take over the world. You know, like we're going to bring in my kingdom. That makes sense for Jesus to stick around. And could he have? Of course. He does what? He leaves. Because he trusts us to do it. He wants us to do it. He invites us to do it. That's cool. I love this moment because the Oregon's like, yeah, you got it, Frodo. See ya. It's going to be hard, but I believe that you can do it. That's empowering. Right? The king of Middle Earth is empowering this little hobbit saying, you can do this. That's awesome, right? I received that, right? It's a good word. Look after the others. Especially Sam. He will not understand. Just a sick pause. Don't worry, we'll watch it. Right, that's a great shot. Right, got the old sword in front of the eye, and this guy's ready to do business, isn't he? And so here's a uh, lesson number two, if you want to number the lessons. But I got my sword right here. All right, and it's a replica of Excalibur. Kind of fun. I think Chris Brown has an actual Roman gladiator sword, which is kind of cool. Um, I got this sword from my dad the day I graduated from Wheaton Academy. So it's similar for some bunch of you and a couple Sundays from now, you got, well, I guess it won't be out there. It's over at Wheaton Bible, but you'll graduate. And so my dad handed me this sword afterwards, like nice job at high school, and like hands it to me. And like, I want to believe that like he was all prophetic and like thinking it all through. And maybe he was. I I, I shout out to my dad. I think he was just like, my son likes swords. I'll get him a sword. You know, like, okay. Which is great because here I am 25 years later doing what? Using it in this class to teach maybe one of the more powerful lessons of this whole semester. Right? Because you've heard me say it. It's one thing to have a sword and another to what? Use it. But now's where we extend that metaphor. Most of you in this classroom have a Bible. Right? So if we look at this picture, king, sword, bible, like prince, princess, run with the metaphor. You've got your Bible, right? What do we do with our Bible? Fight off the enemy. And that's where we're gonna go. Like if we're gonna watch this chop 'em up scene and watch the fight scene, we gotta catch the metaphor. So it's one thing to have a sword. Many of you have Bibles. If you've got Bible Gateway or Bible Hub on your phone, you've got like 57 translations of the Bible in your hand. So it's one thing to have it. It's another to use it, right? Being able to use it. Here's the metaphor. It's another to what, though? Use it. Use it well. Why do some of you want to watch this scene? Because he does well with his sword. Kick some... But, like, I can't say it, but I can. But, like, he rocks the house, right? Like, he goes crazy on these orcs, and you got Legolas with his bow. Chung, 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 chung. You got, you know, Gimli with the axe. And the reason why we like watching this is the choreography, the sword fighting is so good. Like, that's the metaphor. Wheaton Academy students have swords. You've been equipped, you've got your sword. Some of you. Use it. What do we really want for you guys? We want you to use it well. We want you to use it like Aragorn. and Bor- Like We want you to use it well. The, the rest of these movies, when you're watching one of these guys use a sword, I'm thinking Bible. Look at what he's doing with the Bible. So as you watch all these orcs come at him, if the sword is a Bible, what's an orc? You and I do not have orcs running down the hallway that we're going to chop up with the Bible today. What are we going to use the Bible to kill today? Shit. Thank you. <laughs> right, There's a lot of that in our culture and society. In the form of sin, sin such as cheating. cheating. There we go. I can use the Bible and God's truth... God's word to fight off cheating today. What else? Gossip. Someone said gossip last class. There's a go- the orcs. I think they're probably more like trolls around here. There's some big old gossip running around this school. What can we do with it? Kill it with truth. At the very least, what do orcs represent? If the Bible is truth, what do orcs represent? If the, if the Bible, the sword is truth, what are we going to kill with truth? Lies. Thank you. All right, we're going to kill off lies. Some of us, have, we've partnered with lies of the enemy, and we've got to use truth to kill them today. Kill the lies. Remember, it's never a person, ever. Now, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but in the extremist Islamic training camp, or even for some extremist as Christians... We are trained to fight people, not my class. People are never, I'm going to use the word never, people are never the enemy. Now we may have to stop certain people like Hitler, we had to stop him as a person, but he really, Hitler wasn't the enemy, it was what? The lies he believed, his bad ideology, his bad theology, his bad philosophy, that's what needs to be killed because you clean that up and is Hitler an enemy anymore? No, does that make sense? So, as Christians, in my classroom, when I show you people wielding swords, they're killing orcs, because an orc is a lie, or it's depression, or it's fear, or it's gossip, or it's cheating, or it's whatever from the enemy, and how he's attacking us, and we do what with it? We kill it. The thing is, is a lot of us are carrying our Bibles around, and we're not able to fight those things off, because we just carry our Bibles around, or we're not very good at it. So we catching today's lesson. The reason why it's so powerful for me and the honor and privilege I have to teach this is my dad handed me this sword when I graduated Wheaton Academy, which would be like a week and a half for you guys, right? And I, I walk away from graduation with this really cool sword. And so what did Mr. D do that afternoon? I went in the backyard and what was I doing? You know my imagination a little bit. It's crazy. But so I'm in the backyard, and what am, I'm imagining what? Crawling over the fence. An enemy, all these orcs or whatever, crawling over the fence, right? And I'm going to do what? And I Literally, if you like did the helicopter or the drone shot, right, you'd see some high school student in the backyard with this sword going, <laughs> saving my family. How long did it last? Three minutes, maybe. And then I remember standing in my backyard, sweating and exhausted. Like, it's, it's even emotional right now. I could sense it. I remember the moment. I was like, crud. I, I don't know how to use this thing. See, and then my imagination went here. If there were real orcs crawling over the fence to kill my family members in that house... I couldn't protect him. I have a cool sword. I've got Excalibur. I don't know, I know what. I don't know what I'm doing. Let alone the fact that I'm just not even strong enough to wield it. And so here I am, literally 25 years later, trying to offer you that metaphor. Like, I remember the moment where I realized, I better get good at using the Bible to fight off the enemy. It's so strange, like, what's my job? I'm now a Bible teacher trying to inspire students to not just have a Bible, to not just carry it around on your phone, and to not just use it, but to what? Use it well. Some of you are hearing, for the first time, actual, legitimate, healthy reason on why you're doing devotions. If you're doing them because you're obeying somebody who told you to, that's fine. Why should we do our devos? So we get to know the Bible. Why do we memorize scripture so we can use it, right? And use it what? Use it well. That is good, healthy motivation. Obedience is fine. You've missed the point. And that will only get you so far. You'll get tired of doing your devos if you're just doing it to obey. But if you're doing it to fight off orcs, to protect your family, and to protect your heart, and to guard your soul and your mind, that's a pretty good motivation. And if if you're actually in a battle, no wonder you're going to find yourself in Scripture and on your knees and listen to the Holy Spirit every day. Because you what? You need to. Are we tracking there? So that's, that's the lesson. I don't mind if you watch. Some of you don't want to watch all the chop-up stuff, so you can kind of work on your notes or excuse yourself if you need to. But part of me now as a Bible teacher, do you see why I would show it? Why would I show this right now? We're going to watch Aragorn do what with this sword? Kill about 100 orcs. Exactly. What do I want you to do today? <laughs> Next year. Right? If we the Academy were to have a mission statement, like Mr. D would write, right? Uh, I would put in there something about the fact that here we're trying to help you understand the journey you're on, get you going out of your hobbit hole on that quest, and then we'd be handing out swords to you. I don't know if I ever make it really, really rich someday, I'll provide the money for Wheaton Academy grads to get a diploma and a sword. Right? Because right? I want us to realize like we've gotta get out there and fight and engage with the enemy. So here we go. I'm gonna pass this around the room because I want you to feel it. Maybe grab your Bible. Put them in your hands. Now it's heavy, right? It's meant to be weighted like a broadsword. So make sure you got two hands on it. Well, we don't have to do it last class. So people in the front row. So if you're like, oh, cool, you, know, you hit someone, right? Don't swing it around in here. If you really want to swing my sword around, come and see me next week, after finals. I'll let you take my sword outside in the field, and you could like swing it around. Like that's fine. Just don't do it in class, okay? Like, I, I mean, if you look objectively, I'm handing a sword to teenagers in high school. That, that's crazy. But I'm crazy, so I'll do it, right? When you pass it off to someone, two hands. Everybody got it? It's not sharp. On the side, the tip is. I taped this on the top. So there you go. All right, right, let's watch him kill some orc. sacrifice here. Fight scene. I think a Legolas with his bow and arrow. How could that be a positive tweet, like Hockett says? Or texting someone a Bible verse, sending them a note card. Gimli's axe, how many hugs can I give today? All right, like how can I fight these things off? And there we go. Yeah, it's, I'll show it. Great moment. And here's like the third lesson for class today, right? Again, I'm piling them up. I got one hour left to teach. I'm packing it all in, right? So I pile it up here, and when I look at this scene, Bormir could be off in the woods crying. I screwed up. I made a bad decision. You know, I've ruined the whole quest. He could be whining and crying in the woods. I know a lot of people who do this. I've done it myself, right? What does Tolkien offer us and what does Peter Jackson give us a fabulous image of? Boromir just doesn't say he's sorry. He what? He shows it. Now, I'm going to pick on Western evangelicalism a little bit here, as I should on some level. We are really good at teaching our kids to say they're sorry. Does that make sense? Go say you're sorry. Go say you're sorry. But when we had a big old church schism about 400 years ago, We lost some things in evangelicalism, and Tolkien's a Catholic that I think the Catholic tradition has held on to a little bit. Do we need to do penance? Well, no. Christ already paid for our sin. Do we have to show that we're sorry? No, we don't have to. But is it super valuable? Yes, it's huge. So saying we're sorry, asking for forgiveness is great. We are really good at the verbal side of this in evangelicalism, especially in the suburbs, especially in North America, will say we're sorry. This is a picture of someone who is showing that they're sorry. They're putting feet to their words. He's getting his sword out and he's gonna go and fight in a battle and that's his language. The actions are speaking way louder than any words can right now. And it's a great image. It's a powerful image. Now let me extend it a little bit here. All right. Because what you're going to watch is you're going to watch Boromir come running in. And he's going to do what? Fight and die for who? Merry and Pippin? What have they contributed to the journey thus far? Friendship, loyalty, and a bunch of screw ups, and almost getting killed several times, and kind of in the way. That's pretty good with yeah. that thing. Alright, okay. yeah. princess, there we go. <laughs> right? Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah. Pelé. To the breach. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Boromir, the best fight, fighter in Middle Earth, you don't have to agree. He's better than Aragorn, though. Right, like The best fighter in Middle Earth is going to stop and fight for who? Marry and Pippin? Why? And actually, let's just look at it logically. Who should he be going to protect? Frodo. Frodo's got the ring. And Boromir comes back. Nobody would blame the author or blame Boromir right now for having Boromir being like, I'm sorry, guys. I mean, yeah, yeah I love you, but i got to go protect Frodo. Actually, Miriam Pippin would even say, yeah, you're right. We're trying to protect him too, right? What does he do? He stops and fights for these two little hobbits. I'm going to propose that he bestows value on them. Way bigger than he realizes. Actually, the orcs coming from Isengard are looking for two hobbits, Sam and Frodo who left the Shire. So when Saruman says go get me hobbits, he says go get me two hobbits. Well, what do all these orcs see? Two hobbits. If Boromir kept going what would the orcs probably do? Kill Mary Pippin or grab Mary Pippin but they're like, "Why? Where is he going? Does that make sense? They'd probably follow Boromir right to Frodo. But maybe even unbeknownst to Boromir, Boromir stops because he's willing to die for Sam and for Merry and Pippin. He's telling the orcs, these, fro- these hobbits these habits are worth what? Me dying for. They must be what? Valuable. Does that make sense? He bestows value on them. That's huge. By the way, how would that feel? Pretty powerful, isn't it? So I love this moment. The redemption of Boromir is he shows he's sorry, and he bestows value on these little hobbits. So much so that they grab Merry and Pippin, and they run the opposite direction of Frodo. See, in the hands of the author, look what your sacrifice can do. It diverts the eye. It diverts all the attention back away from Sam and Frodo, so they can sneak through over here. Thank you, Boromir, right? Like, that's huge. All because he chooses to stop and fight for them. Awesome. Let's watch a little bit of that, and then I'm going to pause it again. There you go. Love. Peace. Verse. Note card. Little hug encouraging word (laughs) how can we do that today all day long that's hard to do just enough tension hey when his friend calls for help what does he do goes like instant response doesn't even i wonder if i should help boromir i gotta fight no friend calls for help i go help that's cool That's pretty cool. Let me give you a quick timeout. I'm going to stop at a bunch. You know, you're, you're with me. I'm, I'm doing it. But there's a powerful message here that I, honestly, I have not wrapped my brain around. But I'm not to teach you because I'm a teacher. Boromir is willing to protect these two little hobbits. We kind of went there, right? That He's bestowing this crazy value on these little hobbits. And I've tried to have you, like, imagine him being Merry and Pippin watching this, the best fighter for you it changes their lives if you actually look at the story for the rest of the story they're changed because of this powerful sacrifice right Borbier is going to be willing to die for them and actually does die for them so let's pull it off the screen right all stories do what point to this story we're in the true story so let's do it about 12 years ago I forget when Columbine was this became a very real metaphor for me with my students I've got a one and a half year old. She's awesome, little Livy. I got my twins. We're setting up their birthday for next month. They're going to be seven. They're amazing, amazing. I love them. I got my gorgeous, intelligent, brilliant, amazing wife. I got a whole career, a whole life ahead of me. But once shooters started coming into schools, what did I have to prepare myself for? Would I do it? I got my little sword here, got a little dagger over there, got a few things hidden around the room, I got a brick right there, you know, like (laughs) but could it happen even today? We just prepared our drill the other day, right? Could it happen where someone knocks on the door and they come into this classroom and they're gonna hurt you guys, kill you guys. I have to make a choice, right? What would it feel like, ladies? guy comes in, he's going to shoot you, and I'm like, no! Now, keep in mind, like, I have my whole family, my whole career, and Mr. D tackles this guy, I get shot, but I take him out, take him down, and I die today. I die today for you. That's a lot to carry, but how are we doing? Look, actually, not just you, for who? I... It, now. Try to go there, Mr. D. a week and a half before you graduate dies for you so that you can what. Keep going on your journey. Now that sounds theoretical. I've actually had to think this through and decide whether or not I would do that. I really have. Uh, I'm standing here saying, I, I think I will. Like I'm planning on it. I'm planning on doing it because I love you guys, and it's worth it. And it's powerful, and the Bible talks about that kind of sacrifice, so I'd like to think I would do it. How would it feel? Horribly sad. I get that. But how would it feel? What would I be doing for you guys? I'm saying, you're that valuable. You're that important. I want you to have your life. I want you to keep going. I want you to change the world. I would die. I would sacrifice my life so you could have yours. How are you, Marcus? I do that for Marcus, right? Yeah? Would it at least cause you to cons- cause you to pause and consider and think? Yeah? Might, might it change your life for some of you? to consider what I did for you? Yes? Now, that sounds e- arrogant and egotistical for me to put you guys in that situation. Kind of is on some level, but it's also a powerful metaphor, right? Here's the thing. If, ready? make sure you're tracking. If that was meaningful for you. To have some Bible teacher die for you. Right? If that was meaningful for you. Don't miss this then. Who died for you? Yeah. You you want to say Jesus. No, no, no. You can't. God. God died for you. (laughs) So you can go on your journey. Without fear of sin. Without even fear of death. Now, I was touched because I saw it in some of your eyes, the horror of me dying for you and the value that would bestow on you. I'm touched. Like, thanks. I'm not God. <laughs> or like, if it had any meaning that Mr. D would die for you, you guys, God died for us. It's, like, it's, even, it's incomprehensible, is it? Can we even, does it even make sense? Like, can we get that? No, but if we try to approach that truth that it actually happened. And if you want to be like, well, yeah, he came back to life. Well, yeah, but but he died. He died for us. God, how valuable are you? Does that bestow any value on us? If you felt valuable because this teacher would die for you, how valuable could you allow yourself to feel right now that God would die for you? It's crazy. I'm going to stop saying it because I don't know how else to explain it. But it's crazy, isn't it? When I watch this scene and I watch Boromir die for these hobbits, I'm like, that's cool. Oh, my gosh. I would hate to be married right now because it's so overwhelming. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what Jesus did, except even bigger. Oh, my gosh. Like, I don't understand it, but that's the whole core lesson of Christianity. Ah, at the very least I would pause and consider but does that have the potential to change the rest of my life yeah right go team all right thank you Bor. like at that point like Boromir is a tragic story at the same time this sacrifice is one of the besides Gandalf's one of the most powerful sacrifices in the whole story right um. Are good with the swords, aren't they? It's inspiring the hobbits to fight. Now this takes a little spin because is Boromir Jesus? No, and this is where we're allowed to, we're gonna mix the metaphors, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. And so I just talked about sacrifice, I talked about Jesus, I talked about the power of that. But at the same moment, what can we talk about here? What just happened? And you know what's strange? Is should I using the word should, but does this need to happen? I mean, how's Aragorn doing with these orcs? How about Legolas, Gimli, Boromir's a better fighter than them. Does he need to die from these orcs? Seriously, no. He's been in way bigger battles than this. This should be kind of easy, maybe even fun. Right? The book almost plays it out as for the other guys. It's just like, woot, 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 woot. It actually says for Boromir that there were countless orcs laying around, and he was pierced by many arrows. right? And so it was a big battle. But here's the scoop. He gets taken off the quest. Why? Why? I mean, the guy shoots broomsticks into him. I get it. Like, these are, it's a big deal. But why? He's one of the, he's an awesome fighter. What's going on? What did he just do half hour ago? Try to take the ring. He just screwed up. He just sinned. He just made a, Horrible decision. He now enters a huge battle. Can he focus? Yeah, can he focus? Is he on his best game? No. See, I gave you a reason on why doing devotions earlier. To me, when I see this scene, I watch this, I teach it every year. And I'm like, that's why I don't want to sin. Right? What does sin do? It distracts us. It takes us off our game. It messes up our emotions. We can't focus. You know it's true. If you're a, a high-performance athlete, you screw up right before the big game. Can you focus? You got a big final speech coming, and you have a big argument with Dad. Can you focus on your speech? Like, See what's going on here? Like, Sin distracts us, from the battle. Actually, the wages of sin is what? Death. See, and this is where I want I you gotta be part of my class to catch the message. Because what did I say about a month and a half ago? Grace is awesome, and is it? It's so awesome that you're free to what? You can sin, and I'll see you in heaven, right? Did I say those words? Yep. And so what's today's lesson? Yeah, you're free to sin. It'll do what, though? Destroy you. (laughs) It'll take you off the quest early. All sin brings death, period. It's not like that's an option. Like, some sin won't bring death. Sin does what? Brings death. And you're like, yeah, but I sinned and I'm not dying. Well, no, no. This is just the physical death for Boromir. What died right away when he made that decision between he and Frodo? Trust. Trust. The relationship, the fellowship, the unity, die, death, 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 hope started dying. Fear, like, see all that death? Now what are we just seeing? His body dies. Does that make sense? I mean, look at the other characters. Gollum, he doesn't die right away, but his life is a mess. Saruman, he doesn't die right away physically. But what has died for him, his authority, his leadership, all those things die. And then he ends up getting stabbed in the back by a worm tongue. Like, right, like all sin leads to death. The physical death might come later. It might come within an hour. But whenever we partner with sin, it always brings death. So when I watch this, I'm like, ah, that's that's why as a Bible teacher, I'm not going to mess around with porn. I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to embezzle money from the school, right? I'm not going to be dishonest with my students, because it'll do what? Not because I'm going to go to hell, it's just going to screw up my ministry, it'll ruin my family, it'll ruin my relationships, it brings death to all that stuff. I'm covered by grace, I'm free to do those things. That's where like, I had a student say, so you're saying I can go off to college and have sex with whoever and still go to heaven? I'm like, yeah, but what's going to die in the process? right? Like, yeah, it's not going to negate your salvation, but it's going to bring death and destruction into your life. The saddest thing for me when I look at Boromir, oh, would he have liked Helm's Deep? Come on! They're in the keep, they're losing the battle, and Aragorn's like, ride out with me. Who would be first in line? Boromir would be like, yeah, let's go, and he's not there. How about the big seven-layer castle, white castle battle at the end? Would Boromir want to be at that, next to Aragorn, fighting those elephants and stuff? Would he like that? He was born for that! And he's going to want. Miss it. Actually, he's afraid that they're going to lose. That's why this happened. And what does he miss? He misses being at the castle Maybe even standing next to the king as an honored warrior because we won. Oh, well, he misses all of it. Like that's the lesson. We don't sin because we don't want to what? Miss out on the adventure, the story, the epic. That's good motivation to stop sinning. If you want to do it because of obedience, fine. It'll only last so long, and you'll lose energy. When we can find good, healthy motivation like this, it, it really gives us perspective and focus. Fair enough? Something to really chew on as you head into college, and you and I want to deal with the sin stuff in our lives. Breastplate of righteousness. We don't have that here. Shield of faith. He doesn't have that here. His horn gets broken. Right? It's just you start seeing all those metaphors crumble underneath him. It's sad. Now, I got to say it because I am Grace Guy. Whose side is Boromir on? He's on our side. is doesn't go to hell. Uh, I love these next few minutes where Aragorn blesses him and shows him dignity and honor right before he dies. He's just, uh, it's like Ananias and Sapphira. It's like, what the, what are you, you get, get out of the game. What are you guys doing? That's crazy. You don't do that kind of stuff. All right? Or Moses. Stupid rock. Oh shoot. Ah good. It's not like Moses. Did he go to the promised land on earth? No, but did he go to the promised land? Well, yeah I mean Bormir ends up at the great he ends up in heaven. He's just missing out on this awesomeness. Go team You know and you only get to die once unless you're Lazarus Might as well die well, and does he die well? Yeah, he dies fighting the enemy. That's how I want to go out. I want to go out fighting the enemy but it's super sad like I see this I'm like I know people who've let sin take over their lives but for the grace of God this would be me Those hobbits get grabbed and taken away in the opposite direction, but that's because of the sacrifice, right? So in the hands of the author, Tolkien uses this to help Frodo, which is really cool. Boromir's not aware of that, but still powerful. You never know what your sacrifice will do in the story. It's always worth it. Thank you, Airgun. Right, and Airgun comes in and chops that orc in half. Awesome moment. A little over the top, so we're going to skip that. Right? it's yeah, gross. Helps him die well with dignity and honor. If you ever have that privilege. Right. Dignity, honor, and love. He never brings up the mistake. Now or later. Powerful moment. Well, let's get over to here. Right. Frodo has to make a big decision. And here's how it no, ends, no. right? No Sam. no, Sam. I love Sam. He's like a yellow lab, right? Like he's just gonna come in. i going to Moldova alone. Of course you are. And I'm coming with you. I love that. That's worth. That's worth ending our day on that quote. The loyalty of Sam. Frodo and Sam head out together. It's a powerful moment. The bell's gonna ring on this scene, but thank you guys for a great semester. I'll see you Monday, okay? Alright. You can't swim. He does. Oh. He's just like, whatever. You're not going alone! So awesome. Rugis pointed out the two hands on that picture. Stop. Kinda like the two hands in here, are kinda cool. I was like, ooh, hashtag Rugus, you're awesome. Melodramatic, but still pretty powerful. Thank you. Hey, all right, here we go! Prince, the end! All right. Bless you guys. We'll see you on Monday, okay? okay I promise, Mr. Trump. I promise. Don't you leave him, somewhere's Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean. No, 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 no. I know, I know. It's a good dog. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Take care of your water. It's totally fine. Thanks for the me. Oh. Wait. D. Uh, you guys. See ya. All meaning thing. The fellowship has failed. The fellowship has failed. What if we hold true to each other? We will not abandon Marion and Pippin to torment and death. Not while we have strength. That's awesome! We travel like that is <laughs> handsome walk.